And you know, this morning I do want to build on that, uh, the message from the video there. But before I do that, let me go ahead and put it on pause on your heart. And go ahead and convey a message. Because you know, the Spirit will take me here and I'm not sure where we'll go. And I want to make sure that I don't forget uh, to make this uh, announcement. But uh, this is a message I need to convey from our brother Mark Mancini. Uh, Mark wanted me to be sure to tell you that he is grateful and very thankful for all of your prayers. And to let you know that your prayers are making a difference. He's uh, steadily uh, doing better and progressing every day. And he uh, hopes to be with us very soon. Amen. So let's continue to pray for our brother. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, as uh, this message from the video is still on your heart here, I'm going to go ahead and read a scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, in other words, it's not enough to start living the right life. Or to start following the right teachings or the right doctrine. You know, what God calls us to is to persist and persevere in these things. It's good to have a great start, right? But a lot of things, if that's where we stop, at the great start, then we don't benefit from all of the blessings and all of what God has prepared for us. You know, I think uh, for those of us in this, in this uh, auditorium here who are baptized disciples of Jesus, you know, at one time in your life, you stood up before a crowd of people, probably very similar to this, and you said, Jesus is Lord. And uh, by doing that, you gave your word that you would live your life as such, that He would be the Lord of your life. You know, this morning, I want to ask you, how's your walk with God doing? You know, and it's, it's something to think about. You know, what if uh, it was just you right now this morning, just you and the Lord? None of us were here, it's just you and God. And uh, Jesus asked you, so how are you doing? What would be the answer? You know, uh, it's a great start. We all have had great starts, I'm sure. But it doesn't mean much if we don't continue in that decision. You know, not only in our confession that Jesus would be Lord, have we declared or given our word, but you know, I know many of us here are employed. Right? I mean, you think about it. I know when I first moved here to Texas, I was without a job. And I searched for eight months until God opened the door and I was able to get a job. And, you know, and I remember when those papers came before me and we talked about all of the requirements, my job description, and I signed my name on, those dotted, on that dotted line, I gave my word that I would do my best to fill the duties of my position. Now, can you imagine if I just had a great start? I did that. But then as time went by, that I started just kind of slacking off. And, you know, and then people, if, if, if I was asked by my boss, okay, well, this is what you agreed to. And then I said, well, didn't you see how great I was in the beginning? 
I mean, I put my heart and soul into this job. Right? We need to continue. And not only in those realms. I mean, uh, one, one area that I know many of us can relate to, and even if you're not married, even the teens, right? Even if you're not married, you can think about this. You know, once upon a time, those of us who, who were married here, we stood before a minister or someone who officiated the wedding. You know, your heart was just boop, 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 boop. As you look at your bride, you look at the, your groom, and you said, I promise to love you for better or worse, to death do us part. Now, I remember I couldn't wait to say the word. I mean, the word, you know, the question didn't even come out of the minister's mouth. I was like, I, I do. Because I was dreaming about it the night, the, day before, the night before and thinking about coming before my bride and to declare my love for her and to promise to love and cherish her for the rest of my life. Now I want you to imagine this. Imagine a, a marriage, maybe it's about, it's in its 10th year. And where one of the spouses come up and say to the other spouse, you know, I just don't feel loved by you anymore. I hope that's not your marriage. I hope that didn't happen to you this weekend. You didn't have this conversation. But just imagine, right? The spouse goes up to the other and just said, I just don't feel loved anymore. And maybe it's the wife saying this to the husband, not picking on you husbands, but we just have to pick somebody. And so the wife says this to the husband, and the husband turns around and said, how can you say that? We had such a beautiful wedding. I mean, I was in a tux. And the first two years were just incredible. So what if things are not going well? So what if things are falling apart? Can you imagine that? Now you don't need to be married to realize that's not a marriage that's in good shape. Because the goal is, you know, we have declared to love one another till death do us part. You know, when you think about these things, it's a, it's a great start. It's a great start all that is required. Absolutely not. We need to be willing to persevere. That's the heart of it. Not just have great start, have incredible starts, but be willing to continue and persevere no matter what transpire in those situations. You know, I'm reminded of what Jesus told the crowd who was following him in Luke chapter 14. Very common scripture. You know, as we study the Bible with people, we look at the scripture to teach them that it's important to count the cross. You know, Jesus turned around, to the, uh, turned around and spoke with the crowd. And I always am amazed because I'm thinking, Jesus should have just been satisfied. These people are following him. But that, that wasn't his deal. I mean, Jesus wanted to make sure that people understood what they were getting into. So he advised them to consider the cost before making a decision to follow him. Because it would be ridiculous if they began to build but was not able to finish. As a matter of fact, the text says, you know, you would be ridiculed. People would laugh at what you started to build and was not able to finish. So it's a ri ridiculous undertaking for us to say we're going to have a great start, but it doesn't matter where things are at when we're in the middle of it. That's not what God called us to do. Um, as you, uh, hopefully you can tell that perseverance has really been on my heart. Uh, this year, actually the, the 5th of February, I turned 20 years into faith. 
Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, I, I got baptized when I was 19. So that means I've lived longer as a Christian than I have as a non-Christian. And I know many of you have experienced that, that time already. And it is, it's a joyous occasion because you're thinking, wow. Man, if uh, God has been working on me, to, I mean, I'm sure he's been working on me since I was born. But when I decided to make Jesus Lord, and it's been 20 years he's been working on me, and I certainly know I've not arrived. But man, at least one or two things have changed. Something in my character is different now. But while Shar and I, we had an opportunity to, uh, back in July to go up to New Jersey and visit my folks. And it, it was great, you know, see my mom, see my dad and my siblings. But the thing we were really uh, just grateful for and really happy that we had a chance to do was we were able to visit the uh, part of the church where I was met, studied the Bible and become a Christian. And it so happened that that Sunday they were meeting at the campus where I attended school. And the building where we met was right next to the building where the brother invited me out to church. And uh, we were meeting at a location where I sat near where I sat down, studied the Bible, and made those very decisions that Jesus would be Lord of my life. And I just thought, you know, God took me all the way back there to help me to remember. And I was grateful. And, you know, that started that spark of thinking about perseverance. Uh, while we were there, you know, Shah and I, we met in that exact building where we had service. And so I tried to find, we tried to find the exact location where we met for the first time. And we were able to stand there as our nine-year-old took a picture of us. And it, it, it was, I, I, you know, I'm a very sentimental guy. That's a big deal for me. Uh, but to see that 20 years later, God has kept me faithful. Uh, he's brought me through, you know, and I remember when my parents just thought it was a, a fad or a phase I was going through. But yet God allowed me to persevere to be at this point. Not without any challenges, not without fault, but God has helped me to still hold on and I'm grateful for that. But you know, that's about perseverance. I think about last uh, Sunday, you know, as we got uh, the opportunity to celebrate 25 years of the Dallas church being pulled together and it was just amazing and I've told many people what I appreciate the most about our time last week certainly that we got to celebrate but you know the truth of the matter is it's like it wasn't about elevating any one person and I'm certainly sure there's been great people who have influenced and added great things to the Dallas church but it was all about what God has done and how far he's brought us and allowed us to persevere so walking with God calls for perseverance. Raising children calls for perseverance. Graduating college... I, I take it you agree with me. Calls for perseverance. You know, even, even if you end up being the fifth year senior like I did, you still got to persevere. You still got to go through it. But it calls for perseverance. Being married calls for perseverance. Marriage is awesome, especially when you're married to a woman like Shara. But uh, I, I, I tell you what, though, 
that's call, there's call for perseverance there as well. <laughs> Making it through the teen years without losing your mind calls for perseverance. But we're all in that boat where, again, it's not about great starts, but it's persevering and getting to a point where God is pleased. More than pleased, but that He's able to do what His intentions are with, to do with us. And so how do we do that? How do we persevere? You know, the title of my message this morning is The Habit of Keeping Your Word. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll read starting in verse 1 through 3. In verse 1 there it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, verse 2 of uh, this chapter tells us that it's fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's the way we'll be able to run the race with perseverance. You know, it takes faith to get baptized in Jesus. It does. Because you have to have faith that God will take care of you. That what the Bible is saying is true. You need faith to make that decision. But it takes even greater faith to persevere in your walk with God. Because, you know, some things become really, it's really true once you start walking. I mean, you learn it when you study the Bible, but then it becomes true as you start walking. We all read that, you know, our thoughts are not like God's thoughts, right? You're, God doesn't think exactly like you and I do. And we're like, okay, that's true, that makes sense. But then you know when you start walking and things don't start taking place or come turn out the way you expected them to turn out, then it starts being a struggle. And rightly so, I mean, that's just the way we are. And I don't think God's mad at us, but that's the way we are. But then that's when we need that faith to persevere. But we do. I mean, we have great starts. We get baptized. We have great beginnings. You know, the first 25 years of the Dallas church has been awesome. You know, certainly there's been struggles during that time. But what will the next 25 years look like? Without perseverance, we can't get there, guys. You know, I, I think all the time when I think about great starts, I think about brother Chris Gomez. I mean, how amazing of a story. Chris got baptized soon after his fiancée got baptized. Not long after that, his sister and her fiancée got baptized. I mean, it's like, is that a great start or what? I mean, there, you know, it's like being on fire. You're like, man, this makes sense and I want to spread it. But you know, Chris, like every one of us, will need to persevere in his faith. And we all have to keep going and keep fighting to grow. So it's good to have a great start, but we need to continue. 
And it says here in the book of Hebrews, as we just looked at, that it's looking at Jesus. It's, it's, it's really learning the habits that he had that will help us to do that. You know, uh, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. It takes faith to persevere, and only Jesus can help that to, to be perfected, guys. You know, it's not your preacher. Now, I know for sure that 95% of what I'm saying this morning will go out the window. Not because you're bad people, but that's just the way it all kind of works. And in preparing this, I'm trying to figure out how to put it in a way that you'll remember. But it's not on me to perfect your faith. Now, I want to be an instrument. I want God to use me to help in doing that. But Jesus is the perfecter of your faith. You know, it's not your small group leader. And as awesome as they are, and as much as they are involved in getting themselves equipped and trained, you know, the, the, the leadership in the South, one of the things we're doing, we're pulling together, we're going back to basics. We're trying to figure out what are the basic skills we need to get involved with those God is uh, calling us to lead. And so that way we can be an example. But you know, as great as that is, but your small group leader is not the perfecter of your faith. Jesus is the perfecter of your faith. Your parents. We all have them, but I'm looking this way. Teens, I know you deal with your parents on a daily basis. They deal with you as well. But you know, they're not the perfecter of your faith. Unless you're going to the Bible for yourself. You're making decisions based on what the Word of God says. Your faith will not be perfected. But Jesus is the perfecter. It's not your spouse. And it's not even yourself. But it's looking at Jesus. It's impossible to run this race of faith without perseverance. Unless we develop and continue to grow in the habits of Jesus. And I tell you what, no habit influences our ability to persevere in our faith. In relationship in life as a whole. More than the Jesus habit of keeping our word. You know, there's a quote I found. Uh, this is a quote by uh, a gentleman named Owen Feltham. And I, I looked him up to make sure that I know who's writing what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, and, and really he's, he's an English writer is what I learned. But I also learned that he was a teen when he published his very first book. So again, teens, kudos to you. You know, God uses teens. But, uh, you know, his, uh, the quote there is, Promises may get friends... But it's performance that keeps them. You know, when we think about being able to really develop our relationships with one another, develop our relationship with God, and again, it's not the great start that we have or the promises we make with the intent of not, intent of not keeping that will help us to develop these things. But it's as we work and persevere and keep our word as Jesus did, are we able to develop these relationships? You know, the Jesus habit of keeping your word is choosing consistently to do what you say. Following through with what you promise. Jesus always did what he said he would do. There is never an instance in scripture when he said he would do something that he didn't follow through on. His track record is flawless and perfect. What Jesus said and did were one. 
And that's what made him amazing. You know, we can look back at Jesus and we know there's nothing false about him. That all that he said, he did. You know, consistency in word and deed was truly one of Jesus' greatest examples. You know, Jesus said he would die on the cross and, and he would come back to life. And he did that. You know, I, 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 the, the basis of our faith is that empty tomb. He did it. You know, I think about Mark chapter 14, where after Mary anointed Jesus with perfume, Jesus said, you know, everywhere that the gospel is preached, your name will be mentioned. And here it is, I just worked her in in the message and mentioned her name. Jesus continues to do what he says. So what helped Jesus to keep his word? Let's look at two very brief instances in scripture where Jesus was tempted to renege on his word and, and that way we can gain some insight on what helped him to keep his word. Amen? And we'll do this briefly and then afterwards I'll close out on the, with a few practicals on how we can be people who keep our words. You know, the first point is that uh, Jesus lived his life with purpose. Um, and the best way to, to really understand this passage we're about to read in Luke 13 is to remember that when Jesus started his ministry, in uh, Luke chapter 4 it said he went to the synagogue when he went back to Nazareth, his boyhood home, and he went to the synagogue and he opened the scroll to Isaiah 61 and he read how there was someone who was to come who would be involved in setting the captives free and who would heal the blind and who would basically do the things that we know Jesus did. And after he read that, he sat back down he said, Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. So he basically declared, I am going to do this. He gave his word, this is who I will be. So as we read there in Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 31, At that time some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here, if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. So we see here, Jesus did not succumb to the intimidation of the Pharisees. He kept his word because he was driven by a purpose. He had a goal. He said, look, I am intent on doing this. I have a purpose as to why I'm doing this. And he did not allow the intimidation to stop him or to keep him from making good on his word. You know, if we take on responsibilities or give others our word without much thought, then we'll have a tough time keeping our word. You know, that's kind of sort of like what happens when we're kind of, we don't really have very clear purpose as to why we're saying yes or no to the things that people ask us to do. Or the responsibilities we take on. We kind of take them on without a very clear understanding of what we're getting into. And it becomes really difficult to keep your word when this is what we're doing. But Jesus was very clear about his purpose. I was really convicted last week when uh, Gordon was speaking. 
And he shared how there was a, a period of time, and I think he, he sh- it was actually projected on the screen there, as we were looking at the history of the church. And uh, there was a period of time where there was a huge gap between the time we were planting churches in other areas. Uh, so there was a huge gap between that time and then the time we started doing it again. And I don't remember exactly how many years. And then one of the things he shared, he said, you know, one of the things he's seen in talking with people, talking with disciples, is that some of us, we've gotten involved in some things that we're having a tough time letting go of now. And I'll be honest with you, you know what came to my mind when he was sharing? I thought of Netflix. <laughs> that was my thought. And I, I thought about, man, there was once upon a time in my life, I watched very little TV. Close to none. And not that watching TV is sinful, is wrong. But now I'm at a point where I'm starting to, well, what's the, is it in line with my purpose? How is this helping me to be the person God is calling me to be and live the life that God is calling me to live? Because, you know, the truth is, I have my favorite shows now. And we all have our favorite shows. And it's hard now to pry away from that. But a lot of it's thinking, what's the purpose? Why did I take this? Why did I get this membership again? What was I trying to accomplish here? But really looking at, you know, what are the purposes behind the responsibilities we take on? And when we give our word to people, do we stop and we think about it? Uh, let me see, can I do this? Because if we don't do that, we'll have a tough time after saying yes to keep our word. You know, convenience is one of the enemies of the habit of keeping your word. We say to ourselves, I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. And we want to renege (laughs) on our word. This happened when we don't think about the commitments we make. But Jesus was very clear about what he was saying and what his intent was and what his purpose was. And that helped him to be a man who kept his word. You know, secondly, Jesus submitted to the Father's will. And if you would, please, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. In verse 36 there it says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee, Zebedee's two sons, James and John. He, he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father... If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. 
Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. You know, it's a common passage of Scripture, but very powerful. Because you can see the turmoil that Jesus is experiencing at this time. You know, he prayed three times to overcome his sorrow and do his Father's will. He was focused on that, doing the Father's will. And certainly we, we can agree that Jesus was at a place here where things weren't developing in the way that he emotionally would want them to develop. It was like, that's not, I understand. But there was still a battle within him. But still the focus was, your will be done. And he mentioned it the three times that he prayed. The third time, it didn't, the Bible doesn't have his prayer recorded, but it says he's prayed the same things. Again, a focus on his Father's will. You know, focusing on God's will being done in our lives will help us keep our word to God and to others. Guys, I mean, you know, again, I know many of us are realizing this, but things never work out the way we expect in life. You know, in marriage, parenting, or even walking with God. And it's like, well, Pierre, tell me something I don't know. You know, I realize that. I know that that's the case. And I don't bring it up to kind of like stick my finger in that, that, that struggle that we have every now and then. But it's just to remind us. I mean, that's the reality. You know, things don't develop a lot of time in the way we think. And you know, and I realized, I had to step back and think about, I have a tough time with this because I think I know what's best for me. I think I know what's right. And I forget that, you know, making Jesus Lord was just saying, I don't know what's best. I don't know how my life needs to turn out. I don't know what it's going to take to change my character from what it became after my indulgence in the life of sin that I lived in. But God knows better than we do. You know, we don't know. And it's true. Again, it's a, we all know it. Things don't always work out the way we want them to. But I think we have to keep that in mind so that we can really focus on, well, my desire is for God's will to be done. Not Pierre's will, but what God wants. You know, in addition to that really being the focus, and this is what will help us to, to persevere and follow God, but this is what changes and transforms our characters. And this is truly what it means to let God be the one that does that, and not us. You know, another enemy of the habit of keeping your word is circumstance. We are tempted to renege on our word when things change. The situation is no longer unfolding as we thought it would. So we want to, or we decide to, give up. So the hard reality is God's thoughts are not exactly like ours. So we do need to imitate Jesus in that where, you know, we focus on His will being done, God's will being done in our lives, and not our own will. And it's okay that it's not happening the way that we thought it should. But as we entrust ourselves to God, His will will be, done, will be done in our lives. You know, God's will is to change us into the likeness of His Son. Being, cha being challenged and experiencing hardship is how this happens. I personally wish there was a different way. 
You know, I, I wish it was like, oh yeah, the way I was thinking about it, this is the way God makes it happen. And that transformed my character. But that's not the case. And I, and I love that God gave us the scriptures and we can see Jesus in the garden wrestling with that. And then we can have that example and say, you know, this is the way I ought to wrestle. This is the way I ought to fight. This is the way I ought to hold on to God's will being done in my life. So as you know, we move on here. As I uh, get ready to close our thoughts here, I'm going to quickly go through six helpful suggestions to make keeping your word a habit in your life. So the first thing is remember what you tell people you will do for them. You know, that's, that's easy enough, but that's classic. You know, some of us, we rely on our memory. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't really help us to remember. So the thing to do is write it down. You know, don't depend on your memory. You can easily forget it. Remember that. You know, follow through with what you say as soon as possible. So remember what you tell people you will do for them. Secondly, if you promise something... Even if your circumstances change, keep your promise. Your integrity is on the line here. And truth is, so is Christ's integrity. As disciples of Jesus, we reflect Christ. So as you keep your word, people see the true image of Christ. Your word is obligatory regardless of the things that come up after you gave your word. Keep that in mind. So you've got to push through the change in circumstances to make sure that you keep your word. Thirdly, apologize if you have not kept your word. You know, we all, we drop the ball sometimes. It happens. But you know, the, the person who's trying to hide, we're trying to justify it, that, that doesn't help you to grow and be a man or woman that keeps your word. So apologize if you have not kept it. Don't make excuses. Admit you messed up and seek the person's forgiveness. Determine you will never again put yourself in that position until the next time you do and you apologize. <laughs> Fourthly, if you aren't sure you can do it, don't promise it. Isn't that simple? But I'm a victim of that. You know, I, I like to accommodate people. I, I want to help. I, wa I want you to feel like, hey, if I need something, I can go to Pierre. I know some of that is messed up. I understand. But you know, it's for me, I have to remember, if you aren't sure you can do it, don't promise it. It is better to say no and then do it than to say yes and then not do it. So count the cost first. Know what you are getting yourself into. Ask specific questions. It's one of the things I'm learning. Because I'll go, okay, I'll take care of it. And then I realize, oh, well, I didn't clearly understand. But ask specific questions. Once you have all the information, pray about it. Tell the person. Just make sure you're not using that as a, as a cop-out or stalling technique. You know, um, you know you, sometimes we'll, we need to hold off before we give a yes or no. But make sure that it's really to think about and to pray about it, okay? Uh, fifthly, remember keeping your word defines your character. You know, and that's really God's in the business of changing our characters. You will be judged by the way you do what you say. You are known by how you keep your word. And here's something we may have not thought about, but be, as disciples of Jesus, Jesus will be judged 
by how you follow through with your promises. You know, other people will judge who Jesus is. Maybe they'll never decide to look in the scriptures for themselves because of us not keeping our word. And six, above all, keep your word to God. When you tell God you will do something, do it. Breaking your word to God is a serious matter. If you have failed to keep your word to God, confess it immediately. Be open with God and with others. And get back on track with the intent of wanting to keep your word to God. Amen? You know, as we are close here, I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 15 here. I'll turn to there. Um, And you don't need to turn there. I, I just really want you to think about it. I think this is a great psalm that really sums up all of what I tried to convey here this morning. You know, in Psalm 15, and this is becoming one of my favorites, verse 1 it says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts, Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. And check this out. And keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest. And who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. You know, as I share my closing thoughts here, I'm going to ask for the elders to come up with the M family so we can have a, um, a presentation here towards the end of our service here. But, you know, I think about this scripture, and it's talking about here at the end that people who live this way, people who keep their promise even when it hurts, will stand firm forever. We'll be able to persevere in life, in relationships, in our walk with God. Because we're people who keep our word. So let me encourage you to run after this Jesus habit in your life by imitating how he lived his life with a purpose and how he submitted to the Father's will for his life. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory.